We may discuss mental health topics, but in no way are claiming to be mental health professionals. However, we are experts in our own experience in our own life. We shared the tough stuff because it may help someone else going through a similar struggle. We aren't experts, and that is why we will always share a reputable resource at the end of any episode with heavy mental health topics. Hi, welcome to Let's Human Together with Alex and Ariel, the podcast where two long-distance friends discuss what has made them who they are today. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Let's Human Together. Hi, friends. Hi. Hello. How are you, friend? I'm good. It's been kind of a crazy time here. Um, We're recording on March 12th, and just now all of the public schools in Maryland have been set to close for coronavirus and people are anxious and there's all sorts of tension and I think it actually works perfectly for our episode today because we're going to talk a little bit about our mental health histories. Absolutely yeah because right now in Nebraska as well we're just getting uh, notifications a lot of the public schools are also closing Uh, a lot of different agencies there's just you know, many different mental health symptoms, fear, stress, anxiety that are really coming up. So first of all, our hearts are with everybody. Mm-hmm. We also have our concerns um, going forward as well. So hopefully as we're talking on the subject matter and going forward, there will be some points that we discuss that will be helpful and things that we try to do when managing our mental health. Um, But really, we wanted to to start this conversation about just a general broad topic of mental health and the history from our experience. And, you know, really when we came to learn and know about why taking care of our mental well-being is so significant, it's so important. So I'm going to open up with this question for you, Ariel. So do you... Do you remember the time or a time when you heard or learned about mental health? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I have a very specific time. Um, Of course, once I was diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety in my early 20s, of course, things kind of become clearer and, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, but the first thing I remember was, I think I was maybe nine or 10 years old and I saw a commercial for depression medication. And it was one of those, I can't remember which brand it was, but it was like the little egg. And it was like, do you feel sad? Do you think this? Do you think that? And as like a kid, I'm answering these questions in my head, like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I remember going and asking my mom and I said, mom, do you think I'm depressed? And she was like shocked. And she, I love my mother. She could have handled it better and it could have been handled worse for sure. But I, um, that was the, that was probably the first time I registered um, that there was a thing called depression, that there was, um, something that could be, 
uh, I don't want to say abnormal. My mother-in-law says normal is just a setting on a washing machine. There's no real normal. Um, but uh, that was my first moment of registering that maybe something was a little off with me and maybe things could have been a little easier with uh, help. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I have other moments looking back of me showing like extreme anxiety symptoms even younger than that. Mm. But um, that was like the first time I think I thought of it on my own as like a little human being like, hmm, watching this commercial as a kid for depression medication. And I was just like, that, I don't think, I don't know a lot of kids or maybe I just don't talk about it. And that's why we're doing this whole thing of people not talking about it. But um, that's my first experience. What do you think of that? Wow, that's so impactful. <laughs> that's so interesting. You know, just for being nine and 10 and seeing those commercials, you know, admittedly, I don't think I, I really paid attention to them because I just, I, for me, growing up, whenever I heard somebody would, it was going to therapy or the idea of therapy is this assumption like, well, something's significantly wrong with you. And so, mm-hmm. and that, that just was the perception that was just, you know, where I grew up, it was more community focused. And so just hearing that story and not know that, know that about me. So thank you for sharing. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Wow. Like, so, so what about you? When was your first moment understanding that there was this thing called mental health? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it really was when I went to UNL and, you know, hearing about the um, community counseling in Lincoln, because as a, you know, as a peer mentor, and so that was a resource that we had to learn about in case, you know, we were working with students or for ourselves as well, knowing that was, uh, that was available to us as students. And for me, you know, going into it, at first I'm like, whoa, like, they're like, that's to be pretty extreme. And then it was explained to us, you know, college is really stressful you know you have you have all these like you know this high pressure put on you and these high demands so if you need someone to talk to to discuss how you're feeling and going deeper into your emotions and looking at what you can do for your self-care that's really significant and that you know there are times where i would refer students to that service uh so that really was the first time that the idea of mental health well-being was really introduced to me never heard about it before um and learning that I also have high anxiety that I've dealt with my entire life but that was that felt normal which it should not have felt normal it should not have been like oh this is part of life you should always be freaking out if you're not perfect and if you're having rapid thoughts and set mindset like oh this is this is just going to be my life experience and recognizing now oh no that's not supposed to be at, at all so for me that was the first time i really was introduced to why your mental well-being was so significant and having different just you know uh professional mentors that checked in with me on that part of how I'm doing and it was never about well they you know asked how I was doing in school of course but that was never their primary question it was how are you doing 
How's your stress level? How, you know, are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking breaks? Are you doing fun things? Are you working out? Asking those questions and realizing, oh, that's making sure you're checking with, with my mental wellness right now. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> oh, man. So we both openly discuss our experience with therapy. So when was your first therapy session and how did it go? So my first therapy session, it happened in 2016. Um, and admittedly, it could have gone better. Oh, so you were already out of college before you went to therapy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was out of college. It was my first time. I, re I refer people all the time myself. Did not go, and then finally, I just felt it was in my best interest. And I'll, and I'll talk about a story that happened to me in 2014 that I recognize as the first panic attack I'd ever had. Mm. Um, but the first Always. Yeah, Always a good time. I know. I, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> okay, great. Uh, but yeah, it was the, uh, 2016, and the therapist I met with, she was very friendly, she's very kind. Our personalities were too alike, and I'm realizing mm. now I need a therapist who is more direct and mm -hmm. just more upfront. And she, she was someone that I'm like, okay, you're like me, but this isn't helpful. I feel, I felt more like, I just feel like you're kind of telling me what I want to hear and not really what I need to hear. Mm -hmm. so it involved a lot more exploration. So, um, and I can say now the therapist I see, um, and I started seeing him in November is incredible because he, and he told me up front, he's like, I'm a direct, truthful person. I'm empathetic. I'm compassionate, but I'm going to see, I'm going to tell you things for how I see them. And I'm not going to hold back. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he's just like, if that's not your style, I'm not your therapist. I said, okay. I'm like, well, let's just, let's go into this. And he's been great because if I say something or something just seems a little off, he has no problem going, okay, let's go. Let's talk about that because that's really interesting. Let's, let's, and you know, he calls me out on my stuff and I'm like, okay. And I, I really appreciate that. So, and I think though, the one thing that I would always say for someone who has not gone, has gone to therapy and they're trying to, you know, that they're exploring it and trying to find an option, I would say it's okay if the first time you don't find someone that is your style and your preference, you have to find someone that fits your communication style that you need, that you feel will get you to a place where you're taking care of the stuff that you need to. I am so glad you said that because I... Uh, first went to therapy in 2009. Okay. But I did not find, I have gone to therapy since 2009 off and on. Um, there are times in life where I need to go every week. There are times in life, like right now where I'm going once a month, but I did not find my best therapist until last year. Okay, so this is I th this is t uh, ten years. Wow. Now I still had wonderful therapy sessions, mm -hmm. but I think like what you said, I needed the right personality to really challenge me. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I found my therapist, who is just a goddess. This is how I refer to her. She is just a goddess. And I remember 
so vividly coming out of that first session with her because I had had some very bad experiences with therapists, Mm -hmm. um, which we can go into maybe another episode because that's just a wild, like what not to do Mm -hmm. um, situation. (laughs) Um, But I went to, when I finished my first appointment with my current therapist, I remember walking out of that appointment being like a light bulb went off just like, Oh, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. You know, I had wonderful other people in my life and other therapists and mental health professionals guide me along the way, but also I grew out of some of them. Some of them I had to go to because I, uh, I had to go to as a direct result of crisis. So that was also hard for me because I had started seeing one therapist after I was in the hospital after a suicide ideation episode. So that was difficult for me once, especially once I grew and my depression waned and I was feeling so much better. Every time I'd go to that office, I would think about how I got there in the first place. And that would almost hinder my mental health growth in like a, in a weird way. Um, And so I also have like cycled through, like through the seasons of my life, cycled through different therapists just because kind of like that growth and that stuff I had to deal with, with them, like it's done. Like the chapter's closed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully that makes sense. Maybe I'm the only person in the world that has had that, but I know I'm not the only person who's had to go through multiple therapists Mm -hmm. to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to just plug really quick psychology. I think it's Mm psychologytoday.com. And they have a resource where you can put in your insurance. You can look, you know, um, what topics you would need guidance in and they can help you. And that's how I found my current therapist and God bless. Thank you. So just have to plug that. If you're looking for mental health support, there's also awesome online resources we can share as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think like one thing to keep in mind too, is like asking your therapist as well. If you know, if they're not your style, you know, you have to really advocate for yourself and tell them what it is. And if they know someone that fits more of that style, mm-hmm. ask for a referral. And that's mm-hmm. okay oh my gosh. as well. Me, my therapist, like right away, told me he's like he laid down who he is, and he all he said, you know, if I'm this is who I'm going to be, you know, that's how your style. I'm not your therapist, but he also said, if there's other things that you need, I have a lot of friends that mm-hmm. could be able to support you based on what you what you need. If you can tell me, like I need to know. So also telling them and asking those questions and really like saying, this is like my style. This is where I feel I am going to be the most, I'm going to feel the most benefited and working with them in that session and then trying to find an avenue that will be more appropriate for you. Again, it's about advocating for yourself. And if for some reason they have a problem with that, then that's on them. That's not on you. And that's just really, that's really poor support. Yeah. Yeah, that that goes along with one of my terrible therapy mm-hmm. situations when I had to absolutely advocate for myself and um, storm out of a, a session. Wow. Uh, yeah, crazy. But anyways, um, what do you think are your biggest mental health hurdles today? Ooh, 
Um, I think the, I mean, the biggest one is definitely anxiety and mm -hmm. imposter syndrome for sure. And really high insecurity. I, and I've dealt with that my entire life and mm -hmm. kind of going to like what was felt normal. It felt normal for me to always feel I wasn't enough, you know, mm -hmm. and going, growing up in the environment that I did. Um, growing up in a rural community and being in the closet of the gay man and really feeling I didn't have, I wasn't safe to really come out and didn't really feel like I had folks that could really carry me through that experience. And I was, I was bullied and that was very mm. subtle, but it was constant. It was for my entire life. And it, I just hear a lot of those comments. And so for me, going like in my life currently where I can think about all the great things that I'm doing, you know, and the great person that I am, but there's always that moment where my mindset tells me, but you're not enough. Mm. And then that creates the anxiety of like, well, what do I need to do to be enough? And then I get into this cycle and really just like start overthinking and just like overanalyzing a situation and I've also learned how to put on a mask so well that mm -hmm. folks can see me even in a stressful situation and go, you're my calming reinforcement because you just are so calm through these situations. And I'm just thinking to myself, I am not. I'm really going to this space <laughs> for you. And, I, and, and then that just fuels your own imposter syndrome mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that that's the hurdle. That is the hurdle. And it's something that I can say has definitely improved. It's something though I still have to actively work on every single day. Mm -hmm. Sundays are great. Sundays I leave and I leave work or I leave a, a circumstance and I, I feel great. I feel empowered. Other days, not so much. Mm -hmm. That's the reality, folks. Yeah. Oh, what about for you? Oh, man. Well, I... Um... I would say that my biggest hurdles for mental health are a body image and anxiety. So um, for anyone else who struggles with anxiety and or fear, I also have another recommendation. And I feel like, Alex, I think I sent it to you. But if you haven't listened to, you, to it, I'm going to remind you. Um, the podcast Ologies with Allie Ward. She, rec uh, she interviews a different ologist, so a specialist in a different field. And the episode about fear was like a free therapy session because all fear or anxiety, in my opinion, also comes down to one of two things, either fear of not being enough or fear of being not in control. And so if you can isolate your feelings about any sort of situation, your anxiety about whatever, more often than not, it will come down to either feeling like you're not enough or feeling like you're out of control. And just registering that has been amazing to be like, okay, I acknowledge what I'm feeling. I can identify that it's feeling either not enough or out of control. And now what can I do about it? 
So anxiety, um, I mean, I have taken a long journey with medication for my mental health and I take anxiety medication to this day. I take um, medication for or it's in conjunction with. So at this point in my life, I feel like my mental health is at its peak. Uh, but anxiety has been a part of my life since I was a child and so has body image. So yeah, I don't know. We, I feel like we could do a whole episode on body image, but yeah. um, cool. I don't know. Go, I don't know. Do you have a question about that or I'm not sure how to continue? Uh, no, I would just say, I mean, I, again, those are all areas that I know that you and I have talked about as well, and we've discussed too, and they're things that are just so hard to, to deal with, because in those moments, you just feel like you're the only one that yeah. is having that experience, and if, you know, you don't hear other folks like talking about it as much, it's like oh okay then I just feel really alone as well so yeah I just this subject you know especially with mental health like I really feel like it's just over the past few years we've just been more open about acknowledging how significant it is mm -hmm. I mean can you think of any you know any I mean thinking about like anyone like famous or a figure of our society who you feel has been like really the proponent of talking about mental health? Mm. Well, I mean, obviously Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. um, and we shared her Born This Way Foundation information um, on our, I think it was our first episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, let me think, I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. that are using the power, their celebrity for good. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I think is I filter out the ones that don't. That's one yeah. thing about social media is that you can totally filter who or what information and media you consume. Mm -hmm. um, Lady Gaga is like the only one that's really coming up for me right this second. But mm -hmm. I do. I mean, well, then, well, obviously now Lizzo. Mm -hmm. oh, also, yeah. absolutely, especially with um, body image. Yeah, but I don't know who do you who do you think of when you think of like celebrity or people in pop culture that are highlighting and encouraging mental health maintenance. I I mean, of course, Lady Gaga. I think she's become more vulnerable with her experience as well. And mm -hmm. in reality, she was at the time, the first person I can remember talking about your worthiness as a person. Yeah. Of like who you are and who you are as a person, it matters so significantly. Like love yourself, appreciate yourself. And then that, you know, now really talking about mental health. But really, I also think, you know, she wasn't, sorry, not famous, but I think Brene Brown has really opened oh, yeah. this door for shame and vulnerability in a mm -hmm. way that we have to talk about. Absolutely. And really, I mean, doing it, first of all, research-based, interviewing thousands and thousands of people. And she herself acknowledging, like she's very open about going to therapy, 
and having a mental breakdown and getting to a point of saying, I have all this information. It can't be true. There has to be other things and going, oh, vulnerability is the, is the connection to authenticity. Mm -hmm. And that fuels connection. And hearing that was so mind opening to me of, whoa, you know, <laughs> and it really, I mean, it really is so difficult to be vulnerable, to just put it out on the table to go, this is who I am and I'm going to explore these hard things. And, you know, doing that, even with a therapist, it's really hard. It's so hard, but knowing that it helps you feel that more wholeheartedness of your life and who you are as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. But this, I'm, feel, I'm feeling like a little heavy with all of this. It's very heavy. It's yeah. good. It's good because it's, this means something. Mm-hmm. This is important, but it is, it is a heavy thing to talk about. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to identify. It's difficult to open up about. I mean, like I literally just said earlier, like I have had suicide ideations. Like that's terrifying to say out loud. That's horrifying. Um, but I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Thank and you for sharing. That's, that's hard. Yeah, we can we can go more into that another time if you'd like. Yeah, um, and it's just, it's really hard being a human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's why we're doing it together. <laughs> yes. yes. So, but this is the these are the things that you know we we sometimes neglect to talk about, but they're the things that we should be talking about. Absolutely. I just remember, like, I don't know about you, but I like to call my anxiety just, like, my, um, I call it, like, my anxiety narrative, like, in my brain, because for me, I experience life constantly thinking and constantly having that narration of, like, everything that could go wrong, everything that's happening, everything I need to do, all the things, all the things, all the things. Did you have that, or is mm-hmm. that just me? Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's that's, all uh, that's comforting. <laughs> things that are so sometimes it's just like off the wall that they think is going mm-hmm. to happen. Like for example, um, you know, for my role doing community partnerships as well. For some reason, if we're you know, I take for instance, you know, with um, the virus going around, you know, postponing an event. And we were gonna do it at a school, but we recognized, okay, we can't have it. You know, we want we want to make sure everyone's safe, and yeah. we don't want you know families attending. We don't want volunteers attending to contract it. Like we don't we don't want that to happen. But at the same point, I'm like, okay, if we don't have this event, like how is this going to look? And I'm thinking about all these possibilities, and it's to the point even of like, are funders just gonna take away money from us? Like, are they gonna be like, oh, you didn't have this event, so we're not gonna fund programs anymore? And it's just like, okay, I'm not responsible for this like this is not that's not on me but my mind like goes in these different directions as well like oh yeah yeah thankfully um with medication and a lot of practice been able to quiet that that narration Mm -hmm. as i call it um but it's hard there are times where i um 
there are times where I have to just freeze and just breathe and remember that just because I'm thinking it does not mean it's true that my anxiety is most of the time lying to me um and then it'll be all right and it's just it's hard it's just it's hard I mean looking back I was having extreme anxiety as a like elementary school child I can think about um being maybe like six or seven and being terrified to go to sleep because I was afraid I was going to die. Like, wow. And I didn't have anybody in my life that had died recently. I, I don't even know how I knew like about death. Like I don't, I don't know, but I remember crying, like weeping, like child weeping and saying I was so afraid to go to sleep. I was so afraid to go to sleep because I thought I wasn't going to wake up and I was going to die. And God bless my mother because her and I are so different. And she often says, we're just not wired the same way, Um, which is just really true. And that's why like you and I connect on this whole project because we want to give that opportunity for people who are wired like us to have something. Um, But I mean, six or seven, I was doing that. My first panic attack, I could identify was in middle school. Um, We were in middle school right after 9-11. And at least in my area, like the big thing to do wasn't pulling the fire alarm. It was making bomb threats at my school. And so, I mean, this was like happening once or twice a month for a couple of months. And along with that, I was in sixth grade, so I was, what, 11 or 12. And along with being around all these like older scary kids, you know, making bomb threats and this and that, um, there was this rumor at one point that people were gonna come to the school and like shoot up the school. Mm. And I, had a panic attack. Now I know that now I could label that now, but I had an absolute just breakdown of being so afraid of going to school. And again, God bless my mother. She finally was just like, okay, you don't need to go to school. tomorrow." And she actually said, you're taking a mental health day. And I didn't know what that was then. Mm-hmm. I still didn't register that that was connected to that depression thing. Yeah. I still didn't register that my anxiety and my panic was connected to that mental health thing. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the first time I ever heard that phrase. Yeah. But I remember just the overwhelming sense of just thank you. Just total gratitude to my mom. To She at least could recognize that I was not well. I was not okay. I was so afraid and I was so panicked. Um, and so I got to stay home. And for a kid who was a type one personality, like perfectionist, perfect student, that was terrifying to miss a day of school just for like not a real reason, but it was. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that then, that taking a mental health day is a real reason to call out of work or school. Mm-hmm. So 
What, what about you? What, looking back now that you are older and wiser, looking back, what do you register as a time in your past of you having a kind of mental health, mental health crisis? Uh, there are two things that stand out to me. One, and one was when I was in the fourth grade and I kept, I, I, you know, during school, like later in the day, I just always did not feel well. And, you know, first my, my parents thought, well, maybe it's a virus or whatnot. And, but it just kept happening where I would just like get like really just warm and just feel really stressed. At the time I recognized it, I recognize it now as stress. At the time I didn't know. And I'm like, okay, I'm like what's going on? Like why? And I, I would always have to like say, like, I don't feel well. I want to go home. And the school, you know, they knew me to be a good student. So they took it seriously. They're like, oh, they're like, okay, you know, well, they didn't think I was making it up, but then eventually, like I kept, I kept doing it like more often that year, and finally, it ended up where my mom and I did talk about it a little bit because she's like, "You don't have a temperature, you know. You're not, you know, you don't have like any symptoms of being sick. Like, what, you know, is there something going on at school or whatnot?" And I just said, like, I feel pressure. I said, I feel pressure to do well. Um, I think because we had a teacher, and I'm going to be very blunt, he was not good. Like, thinking about it now, I'm like, you are not a great teacher. But he just bring on, like, pop quizzes and pop tests. And he did that whenever he got frustrated with us. He's like, well, we're going to have a pop quiz now. And I'm like, this isn't productive at all. But I also want to be a, a great student. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do well. But then I just would freak out. I'm like, I don't got this. I'm, I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to pass this exam. And then that would just spiral into this like anxiety attack essentially. And so my mom and I talked about that and she's like, you know, she's like, we don't, you know, you just gotta do your best. She's like, that's all that matters. And okay. And we just talked about it a little bit more and she gave me a hug, it was very sweet. And yeah, so I remember that. But then of course, did I, did I keep putting pressure on myself? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I did. Of course you did. Of course I did. <laughs> and then, um, the second one was the first time I had a panic attack, and we can talk more about panic attacks and what they are and whatnot, but basically, it was my first job after undergrad, and I just had this perception of, like, I just gotta be, I gotta be the best, I gotta be the best employee, and I just, like, constantly work, 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 really, I was, like, work was just my life and whatnot, and it ended up with me one day, one morning, going into work, I just was like, I don't feel well, I don't feel right. And then I had a hard time breathing. Mm. And I'm driving, keep in mind, and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. So I pulled into a church parking lot. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you I, for that. I, I parked in there and I just parked in the stall and I just rushed out. And I just was like, I'm like, everything around me was just spiraling. And I'm like, what? I don't know what's happening. And I finally just fell to the ground. And I just, I was just breathing heavily. And then I called into work and I, I said, I'm sorry, like, I don't feel well. Like, I'm, I need to take a day. And they're very understanding. Like, okay, yeah, take care of yourself. I'm like, okay, I'm really sorry. I can't come in. And then um, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law at the time. And uh, I just still did not feel right. I did not feel right at all. And then a couple of days later, I actually ended up in the emergency room. 
And I really was like, okay, there has to be something physically wrong with me. And like, they're going to tell me like, you know, I have something and then whatever it is, like, they'll tell me and then it'll be, it'll be good. We'll get it figured out. And they, the, um, the doctor came back and he's like, all your tests are clear. He's like, you're in great health. Like he's like, there, there's nothing reporting back on any of your major organs or your blood work that anything's wrong. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I'm like, so I would cover that experience by saying, oh, because at the time I was drinking a lot of caffeine and I would say, oh, mm-hmm. I ended up in the emergency room because I drank too much coffee and caffeine because I was so embarrassed about it. Mm. I was so embarrassed about that experience. But even at the time, I still didn't know. I didn't realize that I was a panic attack. Okay. Yeah. So that was actually what I was going to ask. So when you were at the, the emergency room, then how did you rationalize being there after mm-hmm. the doctor said, or what was your reaction after the doctor said, mm-hmm. you know, according to the tests, there's nothing wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Um, it was really a nurse that actually, so okay. he left and a nurse looked at me and she just, she said, you know, she's like, yeah, she's like, I'm trying to blood work. Didn't come back. She's like, but I also feel that there's other reasons mm. why this happened. And she didn't directly say it. I'm like, okay. Like, so I went home and I rested and I, I started watching Gilmore Girls that day, which was super helpful, actually. I just laughed a lot and I was like, oh, that show is clever and great and I don't know why I'm just discovering it now. And then what happened was I started getting into like fitness and my physical health. And because then I remember one day it was nice out and I just said, I'm going to go for a run. And I started mm-hmm. running and that was really good. And I, at the end of it, I'm like, I didn't run very far, but I'm like, I feel better. And I've just been doing that. And I kept doing it. I kept doing that. So for me, that was the moment where I realized, oh, yeah, my mental health is super important because it otherwise will lead me into this spiral and mm. I'll end up where I'm at the emergency realm and feeling something's wrong with me. But in reality, that was the reason I'm Thank you for sharing that. Of course. it's it's funny how much um mental health can affect you physically Mm -hmm. in in a way i mean mental health is physical i think Uh, you know it's debatable on who you ask but like showing physical ailments i'll say it that way my sister actually um went through months and months of stress and um stomach issues like GI issues and she was about to get an endoscopy where they put the camera down your throat and check Mm. things on the inside and finally we realized it was just stress it was stress it was anxiety it was eating her alive and she made some changes and things and then was able to recover just fine but uh, mental health will mask itself in other things and people take it as what it is. It is a problem with your body that you need to work on. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. On your this mental health journey that you've been on, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to go on as well, what's something though that you're most proud of about yourself through this experience? <laughs> um Something I'm most proud of is actually 
<laughs> I went to my therapist on Tuesday of this week, just a couple of days ago. I was updating her because I hadn't seen her in a month. I had, a, had a, lot of, a lot of things happen. And just to kind of recap life and how I was dealing with it. And I even talked about myself. I said, well, yeah, and I'm awesome and I can do this. Like I, I said that mm. out loud and that I would never have done that like a year or two ago. Mm. No wow. way. Like, but, but I will even say like, gosh, this is stressful, but I'm, I'm awesome. I got this. I can figure it out. Mm. Wow. Like, and that was really awesome because mm. I even gave myself like the props. I gave myself the props of like, I'm a hard worker. I'm a good friend. I deserve this. I, you know, I want this and I deserve it and I'm worthy of it. And just being able to say like, yeah, I put in a lot of work. Just thinking about, like, like I said, I've had kind of a breakthrough with my most recent therapist and I've been seeing her for over a year. And even I'll say, I'm just like, I'm so proud of me. I'm so proud of me. So even just being able to give myself any recognition is wow. a huge, huge change. Yay, that's great. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. it's exciting. Yay. That's awesome. Cool. What about, what about you? What do you think is your biggest accomplishment with your mental health journey? Um, I think for me, I would say it's really reaching a place where I understand that mental health is so significant. And also being part of a group that's trying to make it okay to talk about and really acknowledging like going to a therapist should be something that's common and that we can feel open to address. Mm -hmm. I now I now tell folks, I don't go, I don't say, oh, I have an appointment. I say, I have therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to therapy at this time mm -hmm. because I used to be, you know, if I had a doctor's appointment or a dental appointment, I would always say, I'm going to the doctor of an appointment or I have a dental appointment. Mm -hmm. Or a therapist, I used to be like, oh, I just, you know, I have an appointment. I have a meeting, you know, trying to play it off. Like, don't ask yeah. me a question. And mm -hmm. now there's like, oh, what do you have on your schedule? And I have therapy at 2 o'clock. No, that's what I have. Because, mm -hmm. and so for me to get that to that point of just saying like, no, I'm going to say, I go to therapy. This is so, and recognizing it's significant for me. It's yeah. significant because I value myself and I am able to go. And it's something that for a while I had a judgment towards. And, mm -hmm. like, and now recognizing like, no, I need this for myself and it's important. And each time that I go, well, you know, there's some sessions that really kick my butt. And I'm like, mm. I am so exhausted. That was hard. It's necessary because digging deep, but other times I leave and I'm like, I'm proud that I showed up. I'm proud that I opened up. I'm proud that I am taking care of myself and taking care of my well-being moving forward. That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, I think continuing forward, we're going to break into talking about some of the different elements of mental health. So one thing that I know we touch on a lot, that Aaron and I both experience anxiety, which we will be talking about. Mm -hmm. We both experience it in our personal lives as well, but knowing that that is so common that so many people experience as well. Yeah, for real. Yeah.
So but yes. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing Ariel. This is Oh my gosh, and you too. I mean, it's important. Like, it is so important. We, <laughs> That's folks, why we're doing this, yeah. <laughs> we didn't, like, talk really about what we were going to share. No, we didn't. We're at sorry. all. Mental health history. Like, Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's important because also showing, like, we're best friends and we're still learning about each other and we're still, we're still learning how to be vulnerable too. And so if we can model it for you, then that's, that's why we're here, y'all. We're trying to help. And if you have one person in the world that you can identify with, oh, man, that makes life a lot easier. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So what do you think, Alex? I think, I think we are good. So, and folks, if you at any point um, just want to reach out to either of us and just, you know, we appreciate like hearing like if there's something that connected with you or if you're able to have these conversations with your people, your person, and just to really open up these dialogues, you know, we'd love to hear from y'all. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I forgot I have to share a resource with yes. people because, okay, um, I'm happy and angry you didn't ask me about how my journaling has been because it's been horrible, <laughs> but... <laughs> but okay I just I just can't journal everybody I'm trying and it just doesn't work for me so um I've been using an app uh that I'm working on using more frequently but one app that I have been using that is the greatest thing I've stumbled upon is called I am and it will just bring up notifications however often you want throughout the day of affirmation statements wow so nice. i have it set to do like a ton probably i think like 10 throughout the day but i want to read you some of these yeah i am important i accept myself for what i am mm. my life is taking place right here right now and so i just get these messages like pop up they're the only thing i have of a notification that actually pops up besides texting on my phone yeah and it's the greatest little surprise. Absolutely. And, and, and it's just, it's so good when I'm like throughout the day stressing or whatever. And then I get a little, I am open to love. What? Oh. So highly recommend. There is a premium version, but I'm just using the free one right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been, it's been a really nice little change that I've made. Yeah. And so I highly recommend, I, uh, I've been really enjoying that. That's been giving me a little extra sunshine every day. Okay. Yeah. Hey, well, God, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So we're so excited that you decided to spend some time with us today. We can't wait to get more engagement with you, our listeners, and, um, just, Keep doing your thing, everybody. We got this, and we're and we're all going through it together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you for your time. This is Let's Be Together with Austin Ariel, and take care of yourselves. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Human Together. Please review and subscribe wherever you are listening. Become part of the Humanity Collective by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Let's Human Together Podcast. You can email us at Let's Human Together Podcast at gmail.com. We hope to human again with you soon.